Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Uh, thank you for coming today. I want to continue uh, the five-week series that I have entitled Teens in Scripture. And the series is intended to be a reminder that the heroes of the faith aren't just the adults who are here, but also those who are teens and even younger, because there are so many ways in which they are actually partners in ministry with us. Uh, They are not just the future of the church, but they are the church and they are here with us right now. And I picked these teens because I feel that the teens who are in Scripture are definitely worthy of recognition and their following of God uh, in their lives. So my hope is that we will see pretty clearly that we are together in this, no matter what our age is. Um, I want to start with just a simple question. Um, Who's your favorite superhero? So I'm going to need a couple people to respond. Um, I'm I'm going to just, whoever it is, if you want to respond, I'll I'll just kind of look out there. I don't want to pick on anybody, but anyone want to share who your favorite superhero is? Tiffany. Always got to be one of those, you know? <laughs> okay, I should have excluded that. You know, normally I do and I didn't, so that's other than Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father <laughs> or the Trinity, you know, however you want to work on that. Somebody in the Marvel or DC world, who is your favorite superhero? Thor. I heard Thor. Why Thor? Don't say because he's good-looking, because it's nothing about looks. You want to say why? No? Just because. Okay. Uh, Do you know what Thor's weakness is? I mean, I don't know what it is. I I was looking into the weaknesses this week of those who are superheroes, and there's a whole bunch of weird ones, like Aquaman's weakness is dehydration. Okay, I mean, that makes sense, but, you know, Jason Momoa is, like, walking around like it's no big deal. So I didn't understand where that came from. Uh, The Martian Manhunter, if you know who the Martian Manhunter is, his weakness is fire. I mean, he can do all kinds of telekinesis and telepathy and all this transformation stuff, and yet light a match, and he's weak. Uh, The Green Lantern's weakness, you know what the Green Lantern's weakness is? Yellow, the color yellow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say, I, I didn't write it. You don't have to criticize me. I'm just communing. I'm the messenger. Yeah, it's, it's yellow, and, it, and it's really weird. In fact, his uh, arch nemesis wears a yellow outfit. So there's all these kind of weaknesses. Now, who's the one that we norm when we think of weakness in superheroes, who do you normally think of? Superman, right? And so if you want to put that up there for me. Superman's weakness is kryptonite. Um, I tried to do something that wasn't too creepy because now I'm looking at this kind of creepy. The guy just is like, he's got a green thing on his chest. I don't know. But anyway, uh, kryptonite, uh, he becomes absolutely weakened by that. And so today what I, I wanted to look at, going back to what Tiffany said, um, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that really our power does come from Jesus. Our power does come from the Holy Spirit. But we also recognize if we're realistic about our following of Jesus, we all have weaknesses. And uh, that weakness is, is found in our own sinfulness. It's found in our own selfishness. But there are certain things 
that draw that out in us, that, that pull us out. And those two things that I wanted to look at today are trauma and bitterness. And so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to want to apply this passage. Now, if you study the Bible at all, we're going to look at the young lady in this passage, the teenager. When you look at this passage, the real meaning behind the passage is God's redemptive purpose, God bringing himself into the world to everyone. Because one of the main characters is a Gentile. He's not an Israelite. He's a Gentile. And that's the main purpose of this passage. And that's probably what a lot of pastors focus on. But because we're focusing on teens, I want to focus on the teenager that's actually in this passage. And she has four superpowers, which we're not really going to talk about because then we'd be up here forever. But she has four superpowers, integrity, compassion, forgiveness, and trust. This is kind of like something I'd like to do at a youth group retreat because there's, this is really deep, even though you, you don't see it as much in here. And what you see in this young woman is a lot of superpowers that she will display for us in living color in this instance. So let me read this passage for us. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. In the New Living Translation, it goes this way. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean riders had invaded, raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young teenage girl who had, was given to Naaman's wife as a maid. And one day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Now, here at Harvest, what we're trying to do is to develop a kind of testimony culture. So I'm going to invite two people up to come on and give their testimony. They're racing towards me now. They're my my prepared testimony givers. Did you bring your card? All right. Excellent, excellent. And I'm going to take this handsome young man first. Yes, you. All right. And uh, I just got to remember my questions for the interview because, you know, sometimes I get them mixed up. I got to remember the answer. I'll hold it like this. We'll work together. Okay, so uh, you all know him as Andy, but for the moment, please pretend. Okay, so uh, what's your name? Andy. <laughs> He's improvising. He's improvising. Okay, let's pretend again. <laughs> Rewind. Cut to. Uh, what's your name? Naaman. Oh, beautiful. Great. I love your name. Uh, is that from your dad's side or your mom's side? Okay, yeah. Not uh, what do you do for a living? I'm an army commander. Okay, that's a good, good answer. And uh, how's it going? Very well. Uh, you wanted to say that you're very successful and God has been good to you? Very successful. <laughs> God has been very good to me. I should give you the mic too. Okay, that's great. And uh, is there anything else about you that we should know? I am a mighty warrior. And? and I have leprosy. Ah! ah! Leprosy! Leprosy is not something you want. I contemplated whether or not I should actually uh, have pictures of real lepers, and I I figured that would not be age-appropriate, so we did not do that. Um, But like COVID, right, Uh, leprosy, it isolates us from people, and um, for the sake of the audience, it could hasten our expiration date. So leprosy is not a good thing, and it's not something that we want to hang around with Naaman, even though He has been used of God. He has been very successful. Things are going well, as we saw in these three verses. And so thank you very much, Naaman, for your testimony for us today. So God has been good. God has given him success. But he has leprosy. 
All right, well, we have a second character who is in our story, and uh, so I'm going to ask you, uh, what is your name? And please, don't say Evelyn. She shrugs. She's shrugging because if you remember when we read this, they did not mention her name. So the thing that I learned from this is here you have this ordinary teenage girl that nobody really considers to be much. They don't even give her a name. Her name is left out. So, nameless young lady, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a servant girl. Okay, pretty good. All right. And uh, how's that going? It's mixed. I had to move from my home to a strange land. I went from farming to serving, but God has been very good to me. Okay, so like Naaman, God has been good to you, even though you had to relocate. So in other words, you're living in the land of Israel. Now you're in the land of Aram because you got moved there, not necessarily by your choice. And uh, is there anything else for the rest of us here that we should know about you? Even though I'm an unnamed, ordinary teenage girl, God used me to change someone's life. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming out of a time in history to share that with us. So there's our two characters. And uh, what I want us to see in all of this is a modern application. What does this look like? So, again, picture in your mind the story. We have our first character, Naaman. Very successful. God has even given him success, even against his own people, Things are going really well, but he has this issue of leprosy, which means he's not really healthy, and he may die earlier than what would be expected of a normal healthy army commander. It's probably expected that in some way, shape, or form, it's his army that actually took this young lady and removed her from her home in Israel and brought her to Aram. And then, for some reason, she was chosen among all the teenage girls to be a servant for Naaman's wife. So that kind of gives us what the picture of what's actually happening in this here. Now, when I look at this young lady, I have to say that she is worthy to be recognized for having great faith. Because I put myself in this situation, and I had to think to myself, if I were her, I would be crushed by the circumstances in which I find myself. In other words, I have been taken from my home, taken somewhere else, and I made a servant without any family probably being around and the sense of loneliness. So for me, when I struggle with things, I have a really hard time of actually expressing a healthy way of faith. Even this week when our washing machine was slightly broken, I was wondering, God, why? Why does everything break in this house? Why does this keep happening? And I'm complaining and groaning and moaning like, oh my goodness, like the world has ended. It's a washing machine, bro. Okay? So in the midst of all of this, I had experienced listening to someone else this week share a story, a medical story, of a young girl who's going through a tremendous difficult situation medically. And as I'm listening to this story, I'm thinking to myself, dude, you have so little faith. <laughs> You're worried about your washing machine. And what this young lady is going through is nothing in comparison. See, for me, my kryptonite, when it comes to following after Jesus, is difficult circumstances. But that's not the only thing, because then there's bitterness. You see, because to me, and when I look at this situation and think of this young lady, I would think, how could you not be bitter? I mean, how could you not be sitting there thinking when you're looking at your boss, and your boss has leprosy, and you're like, yeah, I mean, this is me. I'm just saying, yeah, really good. You're going to get what you deserve. You ruined my life. It's about time you got it. And I would be thinking, I hope your expiration 
is slow and painful. May you experience what you deserve. Now, is anyone with me or am I the only most wretched human being in this? And no one else says, okay, so I'm the worst person here. So I need this message pretty clearly, right? Because there's that sense when I look at this young teenage girl and realize that she should be crushed by her circumstances. Her life has been ruined and changed completely by someone else's evil and sin against her. And yet in all of this, when she has an opportunity to get revenge, what does she do? She doesn't say, got him, awesome. She says to her master's wife, oh, if only the general would go to my country and meet the prophet and get healed by God. See, my kryptonite, trauma, my kryptonite, bitterness. This young teenage girl does not know anything about kryptonite. In her circumstances, in all of it, she doesn't give in to bitterness. Instead, what she does is become a blessing. When you read these verses, she becomes a blessing. She blesses the man who probably ruined her life, hoping that he would find healing in God. And the cool thing about this is if you read the rest of the story, you can do it now or do it later. It doesn't make a difference to me. In the end, Naaman gets healed and becomes a follower of God. Why? Because this young woman who should have given in to her trauma, who should have given in to bitterness, which would make absolute sense, decides, makes a choice instead to be God-like. To trust God. To not give in at all. You see, in in this sense, when when I look at this, I think to myself, how is this possible? The question that I ask myself sometimes is, is it possible to forgive a hurtful experience? Is it possible to forgive someone who has deeply hurt you? If you've ever been hurt by anyone, you look at that question in all honesty and you say, I'm not really sure it's so possible. And me as a follower of Jesus would say, unless God does something. And it would be great if I left it there because the next thing I said is, and part of what God has to do is make sure that they pay for what they did first. You know what I mean? This girl asks for no payment whatsoever. She does not succumb to any form of following God type kryptonite, but instead says, I trust, I believe. This God whom I love is one whom I will follow, even though it's most difficult to actually do that. You see, to be the cause The thing that draws us away from God are the things that go wrong in our life and our response to that, which is bitterness. Has anyone here other than me been angry at God? Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right. Please don't leave here. But you've been angry. Something happens and you ask yourself, God, if you are all-knowing and you saw that coming, why didn't you tell me? At least give me a heads up. And I don't know if this young teenage girl went through that experience any way, shape, or form whatsoever. But I do know this much, that the result of whatever it is that she processed through was the result that she was able to, in confidence, 
trust God and to surrender him. So the cause, the kryptonite, the thing that draws out my sinfulness is when things go wrong and my response to them, which is normally very unhealthy and angry. What's the cure then? The cure, I think, then is this, surrendering to God and his way. That's not easy. So when I say it, I don't want you to sit here and think, well, you know what? Yesterday I had trauma. Today you must be changed. It might have been a year. It might have been longer for God to work in this young teenage woman's heart to get her to a place where she could actually say, I love my master and I hope that he gets healed. It's not instantaneous, but it's worthy to note that God did something in her heart that she would be able to respond in this way. In a sense, when I look at her, what I see is a role model, which is really weird because when we look at teens, we often look at them and go, look at us, we're your role models. And what I'm saying is, when I look at you, you're role models. You are the ones who I want to follow in the type of faith that you have. Because this young lady shows us that teens can have a very deep and powerful faith that affects the way they live and ultimately affects the world in which they live. Naaman would become a follower of God because a young teenage woman could say this, I love God and I will do what he asks of me. Now, let me finish with this. This unnamed girl, this unnamed young woman had a choice. Somewhere along the line, she had a choice. Again, I'm going to be honest with you. I might have chosen what she did in the end only because it's the right thing to do. But I think I would have dragged my feet until the last second. I don't know if she did or she didn't, but she did make a choice. And her choice was really simple. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do what is right in God's eyes. She, to me, is a hero of our faith. And she is worthy of the recognition that we would give her. Her choice, though, reminds me not of just teens with heroic faith, but of someone else who made a choice. Someone who, as God of gods, chose to enter into our world to live among us, to dwell with us, to be a man of sorrows, to see the pain and suffering of the world that we lived in, in order to die on this cross to rescue us from our sin. And while on that cross, while the spikes were driven in his hand and his feet, while he was beaten, while he was crucified, this Jesus made a choice. He would not give in to trauma. He would not give in to bitterness. Instead, he would look at those who crucified him, and he would say, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Yes, this young, unnamed teenage girl is worthy of recognition, a hero of the faith. But the hero of the faith that we worship, as Tiffany has already mentioned, our superhero is Jesus, who has done for us the incredible. He has not been bound by trauma He is not bound by bitterness. He is not bound by sin, and he is not bound by death. But he has been raised from the dead in order to bring us new life so that where we are at in the midst of trauma or even in the midst of a struggle with bitterness, he can come in, intervene, 
and help us overcome. For the true hero of this story, that even the one this young unnamed woman points to is Jesus himself. And so what we learned today that our kryptonite, my kryptonite as a follower of Jesus is my trauma and my bitterness. But the cure to that kryptonite ultimately is surrendering to Jesus and trusting him. You see, this young lady trusted God. She understood that God was in control of her circumstances. She might not have liked their circumstances, but she understood that God was in control. She might not have appreciated her master initially, but she understood God's compassion. And in understanding God's control of the situation and God's heart of compassion, she was able to say, go here and get healed. Now, how do we finish this? We're going to finish this this way. I'm going to say, um, I don't know if this is, maybe we could make this into a dance someday. Do the Habakkuk. Would that be, I don't know if that would be a good dance or not. Mr. Jacob wanted me to dance. The best I can do is the sprinkler. And that's about it. That's all I'm done for. This is how I would like us to apply the message. Habakkuk says this, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post, which, remember, is rest. Habakkuk said, I'm going to rest in God. Remember that sermon from uh, about a month and a half ago? I will rest in God. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Honesty. Honesty. In the end, what he's really saying is this. Don't run from God. Instead, turn to God. When tragedy or trauma happens, don't run from God turn to God. When you can't get beyond your bitterness and you can't forgive someone who has hurt you, don't run from God, turn to God. Do the Habakkuk. Sit there, wait, rest, trust. Ask God and say, I will wait for you. I think I appreciate the testimony, Esther. Six months of fasting and praying that leads to a movement. There's something about waiting on God that makes a bigger difference than always pushing and pressing and doing. And so do the Habakkuk. If you're in that place where you're now questioning, God, do you really love me? Or God, why should I forgive? I only ask you, like this young, unnamed teenage girl, like Habakkuk, stop, rest, trust in God's control, and his compassion. Let's pray. Our Father, you are in heaven, and the easiest words to say are trust in God or surrender to Jesus. Very easy, very simple. They can be done with no heart whatsoever. They can be said in any context. But I pray for every one of us here that more than just being words, that the expression of trusting you, surrendering to you, would be a heartfelt expression of our love for you and our love for others. What you call us to is to love you and to love others. What you call us to is to tell the world that we live in how much you love them, how much this Jesus, who was God, became man to dwell among us, to die on a cross, 
to show us that neither tragedy or bitterness will triumph. For Jesus has triumphed over all, sin and death included. And we can find life in Jesus when we surrender and trust, no matter what we've been through and no matter who has hurt us and how deeply. So I pray that we will come to you with our tears, with our lament, with our grief, with our anger, with our sadness, with whatever it is that we carry and say, God, here it is. Take it and fill me with you. That like this young teenage girl and like Jesus, I can say, Father, forgive them because they just don't know what they do or what they continue to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.